What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. How's everybody doing? Tired? Not much talking tonight, so everybody must be kind of tired. For those of you online, thank you so much for joining with us this evening. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. We'd love for you to join us live and in person on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. The address is 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri. And you can also catch us Sunday mornings at 1030 with our Joy Church family. And same address, so we share a service on Sunday mornings, so you're welcome anytime. We'd love to pray with you and your families over any needs God may have or you may need from God in your life. How's everybody? Oh, okay, I already asked that question, but good to see everybody out here tonight to, on an exciting evening. What do you mean? How, how are y'all? I've, I've been having fun going through the names of God. Anybody else been having fun going through the names of God? You know one who we're talking to, Right? You've heard him called Jehovah, but who, who are we really talking to? Who is this God? And the best example we have of who this God is, is Jesus, Jesus Christ. He showed us God in human flesh here on the earth. And because, once again, I think we talked about it the first week in the Old Testament, I've even heard people say, it seems like you're dealing with two different gods. The Old Testament, you mess up, you're dead, and it's done. Jesus comes along and he's offering forgiveness and only he offers himself. But you got to understand in the same way as in the Old Testament, God is trying to purify and cleanse a people, a remnant church to rise up. And when Jesus came and paid his price, he gave us that eternal cleansing if we will receive him into our heart. And it's through his blood that we are saved. Amen. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is some good old hymns out there, and that's one of them. Nothing but the blood of Jesus is what has saved my soul. Tonight is actually part five. We're going to be taking a look at this series, and we've been talking about the last four weeks, I guess. This will be the fifth week. We've been talking about the five benefits of the New Testament covenant. Now, that word covenant actually is promise, and if you look at your testaments, that word testament is the same thing. It means covenant. Or promise. So you've got the old promise and you've got the new promise. When Jesus comes, he offers eternal life. So now we don't have to get up once a year and bring a bloody animal to the altar and sacrifice it to cover up our sins for one more year. Now we just receive Christ's eternal sacrifice and we are saved. Amen. Okay, so the first couple of weeks we talked about the forgiveness of sin and deliverance from sin's dominion. And we talked about the two names, Jehovah, now i got to think about it, Jehovah Sedek, which was the Lord God, my righteousness. The second week we talked, I have to think back, Jehovah Kadesh, which was the Lord God who sanctifies. A few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God, our peace. 
Last week we talked about Yehovah Shammah, the Lord God who is there. And this week we're going to talk about another one that should be familiar. Probably if you've been in church for any amount of time in your life, you've heard him called in English Jehovah Rafi or Yehovah Rapha, the Lord God, our healer. Amen? How many of y'all have seen the Lord God, our healer? See, I'm one of those, you can't convince me he doesn't do it because I've seen him do it too many times. Now, I am going to share a testimony tonight that I hope will help some of you maybe that haven't seen it the way you thought you should have saw it in your life. But I'm going to save that for the end of the night tonight. So I'm going to try to get through the points, you know, rather quickly so there's time to share because I want to give a little bit more of my own testimony tonight towards the end of this message. The second couple of weeks, we talked about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And how, what it means to be filled with that Holy Spirit and how that gives us a new look at life. And tonight, just as you've heard in the name, we're going to be talking about the promise of health and healing. The promise of health and healing. How many of y'all know God wants you to be whole? He wants you to be healthy. Now, can I be really honest? These health problems, a lot of them, I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of them in our society are caused by ourselves because we eat some things we shouldn't eat, maybe do some things we shouldn't do. And whatever we're putting in, you've got to understand, later in life, there's consequences for that. You may not see them right away, but there's consequences for that in your life. But God would have you whole and Learning how to keep yourself whole and healthy. We also talked about a quote from Larry Lee's book, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? And I told you you're going to hear this every week because it is what the name Jehovah or Yehovah means. God's name Jehovah reveals his readiness to save his people and to act for them. Thus the name Jehovah or I am that I am. Same guy that showed up to Moses in the burning bush. Tell him, I am sent you. I am who I am. Amen? How many of y'all in here serve the great I am? Amen. How many of y'all know when Jesus told the Pharisees? Well, we'll get to that story, I think, later in the series. Before Abraham was, I am, he stirred some feathers, ruffled some feathers, made some people mad. Jesus wasn't about making you feel politically correct. He was about giving you the truth whether you wanted to hear it or not. Amen. That's what's good about Jesus. Everybody, we talked about a little last week, or maybe the week before, I don't know. People, all these people think Jesus just loves everybody. He does love you, but there's a choice that we have to make on our own to serve him. So until you receive him as Savior, until you allow his blood to cover your sins, you are rejecting him, whether you know it or not. Thus the name Jehovah or I am that I am can be rendered. Check this out. I love this. That's why I read it every week. I am with you, ready to save and to act, just as I have always been. No matter how far you run from me, I'm still Jehovah. I'm here, ready to save and ready to act. The question is, do you turn from your ways and follow me, or do you keep dabbling in the other stuff you're involved in? We won't list any tonight, because then I'll forget somebody, and they'll think, well, he didn't say me, so I'm off the hook, right? You know what sins you're living in. We have all struggle with it. I like tonight's quote. I want to hear it's just one quote tonight, and it's a Spanish name. And if you look this guy up, 
he, some of the stuff he believed was strange, but I want you to listen to this quote because this quote has some truth in it. His name was, and I had a Spanish audience here a few years ago to help me pronounce this. I think it's pronounced Carlos Constaneda, something like that. All right? Here's what he said. Let's get to the important part, right? You can see it on your screen if you want to know what, how that's spelled. It says, we either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. Mm. I'll say it again because those of you here don't have it on the screen. We either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. So whether you're working to make yourself miserable running from everything God has for you, or you work to build and make yourself strong, the amount of work's the same. You're working just as hard either way. Just because sin seems more natural doesn't mean it's less work involved. Amen? Amen. <laughs> you come out sinning. I heard an old preacher, and he's passed on. He went on to be the Lord now. And I always remembered it. He gave a quote. Is that a Baptist church I grew up in? And... Uh, I don't remember his name, actually, but uh, he said, uh, he's like, you're lying as soon as you come out the womb. He's like, because when that doctor swats you on the butt, you want everybody to think you're hurt. Really, you're just mad. <laughs> Amen? Oh, well, come on. That was, that was good. That was a good Baptist preacher joke. Come on. I'm glad to see a few of you laughing this evening. Exodus 15 is where our name comes from tonight. See, Israel at this point had come to a bitter stream uh, of water. And they couldn't drink it because it was so bitter, all right? So here's what happened in this story. Real quick, we're just going to read a couple of verses. Exodus 15, verses 25 to 26. So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, and the waters were made sweet, or the waters were made sweet, sorry. There he made a statue, a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. And said, verse 26, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, speaking of when they were delivered from Egypt. And then he says, for I am the Lord who heals you. And there is the part in scripture where you hear the name, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, our healer. I'm the Lord who heals you is how that's translated there in the New King James Version. Going tonight, we're going to jump to Mark chapter 5 because I want to leave time for the testimony. I'm going to be moving. I'm going to try to move at God's pace tonight, but I do want to get into a bit of a testimony. I think it'll help some people who are still struggling with things and they just don't see why. Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 26. It says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things for many, from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. We're going to stop there for just a second. Now there have been several different translations on this. I've heard theologians say they believe it was some sort of cancer of the blood. The latest one I heard in the commentary I was reading was that they believe it had something to do with her monthly time that she had been bleeding for 12 years and was unable to get it to stop. Some sort of disease in that. 
Because you're going to notice later that the bleeding stops. So, but whatever it is, the, what's wrong with her blood is not important. What I want you to catch is what she's doing. Because here's what it is. She had spent all she had. Every dime. How many of y'all have ever done that you felt like in this society? Spent all this money on doctors. And they can't give you any answers. She spent all she had and was no better. But rather grew worse. So point number one tonight. We all seek hope. We're all looking for some sort of hope. And I got good news for you tonight. In a world that seems hopeless, there is hope. His name is Jesus. And this woman knew that. She's been struggling with this for, can you imagine, 12 years? Dealing with an ailment of any kind for 12 years? And it looks pretty hopeless. But we're going to talk about what her mind was telling her. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 tells us, My brethren... Well, this is interesting because you just had this and I already had this in my notes before he did his five minutes with the pastor. So it must be in the vein here tonight. James. Oh, wait. No, you were chapter two, wasn't it? One through four. Chapter one last week. James one, two to four. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Say what? I'm supposed to count it as joy or be happy when I'm going through. Are you kidding me? Let's keep reading. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Ooh, there's that P word. Some of us, that's as bad as a cuss word. Patience? What do you mean patience? You mean I got to wait on something? In a microwave generation to where you have everything right now. If you're hungry, pop it in the microwave. It'll be done in one minute and you can eat it, right? But how many of y'all know it takes time to make some good wine? Bible tells us that, I believe. And then there's something about a cake. Well, the Bible didn't talk about the cake. I mean, let me just give you an example with the cake. You got all them ingredients to that cake. Well, I don't even know what's in a cake. Ladies could tell me more. I know there's eggs and flour and a bunch of stuff that's nasty by itself, right? Maybe not eggs, but the other things that are in a cake that could be nasty. But see, here's what happens. When you mix it all together in the mixing bowl, and you slap that puppy in the oven, and it starts cooking, and it starts rising, what comes out's a tasty treat, right? It's the same with you. God can take every piece of your mess in your life, your broken pieces, and you've been through it all for a reason. And he wants to take those broken pieces, mix them all together, because he's making you into something great. Sometimes you got to go through the fire, to come out on the other side. Mark chapter 5, continuing there in verse 27, it says, When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, here's an important thing you need to catch. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Wow. Now, can you imagine if she's been telling herself this for all this time? If I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She's pushing through the crowds. There's a lot of people. We told you. I might have been even last week. At any given time in your New Testament, there wasn't just 12 people following Jesus. Those were his close friends. There were thousands coming. Now, many of those people were just seeking a miracle. 
He wanted them to get the word, and then he would give them miracles on the side. But Jesus came to give us the truth. But here's the deal. She's, can you imagine pushing through these crowds? You've already got some sort of a disease of the blood of some sort. And in your mind, you're saying, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be healed. Because number two, point number two this evening, Jesus is that hope. We all seek hope. Jesus is that hope. She knew with the reputation that was surrounding him, if I could just get to Jesus. We got a lot of people in this society, church people even, if I could just get to Jesus. Remember what I said last, I think it was last week. People love Jesus. They don't like the way the church has packaged him. Too many church people are here. They think they're here to condemn, I guess. So they beat people up worse. So when they leave, they leave more bloody than when they came in. It's like Pastor Couple said, I believe it was at the Armor of God conference, he even said it, that I don't need you to tell me I'm a sinner. I know. I know better than you know what kind of a sinner I am. I need Jesus. Romans 5 tells us in verses 1 to 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by, what's that word? Faith. When you've got a lady approaching Jesus, if I can just get to him, that's faith. No guarantee when she touched that garment, but she believed there was. And that's why she got her healing. Let's talk about faith for a second. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Woo, that's strange, right? The world considers that strange. Knowing that tribulations produce perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What is that word faith? Well, Hebrews 11 tells us now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just because you hadn't seen it yet, doesn't mean it's, done, it's not there. Your faith is the evidence that it's going to happen. Her faith approaching Jesus was the evidence she was about to get healed. Mark 5, continuing there, verse 29. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt her body, or felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, check this out, immediately. Mark uses that word a lot. Knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Let me throw point number three. We'll talk. Point number three, he can heal us if we believe. There can't be any doubt coming for that healing. Now, it may not happen the way you thought it should have happened. I'm going to talk about that towards the end, so I'm not going to go real deep on that. Right now, but immediately Jesus, can you imagine the disciples? Matter of fact, they're going to, I'll get to that in a second. Second Corinthians four sixteen to 18 says, therefore, we do not lose heart. 
Even though our outward man is perishing, they tell us that when you're born, you know, after that little period of the blurring of the things close, you've got the best vision you'll ever have in your life. You've got the best hearing you'll have in your life. Because as you age, it's slow. Even I'm only 41, but it's slowly. And some people, we got youth over there. Theirs isn't as good as it was when they were kids. Because they tell us that as we age, we slowly start losing it. Not your mind. Some of y'all went there, didn't you? Some of y'all was thinking, we slowly start losing our mind, right? The longer you live, you might just lose your mind without Jesus, right? Uh. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Huh. Maybe that's why some Christians are always happy. It seems like. They all have their moments. Have you ever been around them people? They just always seem happy about something. My mom was a morning person. I wasn't. She would pull the jokes on us, especially April Fool's Day. She loved April Fool's Day, all right? That was one of her favorite holidays. I remember sitting downstairs. I got out of bed. Now, my mom, she's wide awake. She wakes up singing, right? I'm not that guy. She wakes up. I come downstairs, and I just plop down in the chair. It was probably a Saturday because I wasn't at work. I mean, I wasn't at school. I sat down in this chair. It's April Fool's Day. I'm not awake yet. That's when mom loved to get you to because she would always come at you when you weren't expecting it, right? And then the morning's the best time because you just woke up. And she came in, and I was sitting in the dining room. She comes out of the kitchen. Trenton, there's a big spider by your foot. And I jumped out that chair. You ought to see me leap. I don't think I've leapt that high since that day. I was freaking out, and my mom just starts laughing. That is not funny, Right? You know, I'm telling my mom, but she's still going at Okay, I just told that to let you know that there's people that always seem like they're happy. And the, there's a reason believers seem that way. Because even when we're going through, we got the hope. What was the hope? We talked about that in point two. Jesus. We got hope. In a world looking around, it looks like it's falling apart. We got hope. We got Jesus. Amen? Because he's the only one we can put our faith and our trust in. And then here comes the good part. Because check this out. Uh, continuing there in verse 31. But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Remember, there's thousands of people following Jesus. He says, Who touched me? And then his disciples are like, you see this crowd? But Jesus knew. He knew that someone had touched him. And it was a different kind of touch. They needed something. Because here's point number four. He knows us individually. He knew who touched him. He asked the question to see if she was. And there's you know, different takes on this in Matthew and Luke. He asked the question just to see if she would come forward and say it. But Jesus knew who touched him. He looked at her. She had touched him and something had left him. Luke 12, 6, 7 says, Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. You can get a chuckle of that in some churches. Because some people it's easier to count. 
I'll let you think about that. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. What do I mean? Well, the point was, he knows us individually. God knows you. He knows you, Debbie. He knows you, Louie, Ruth, Samantha, Ed, myself, Adam. Everyone here, he knows you. He knows you. He knows who you are. And the question was asked there in Luke, that aren't these sparrows sold for these coins? You're more valuable than that to God. He knows every hair on your head. So when something falls out, or you shed a little bit, oh, there goes hair 4,162. God knows which one left, right? <laughs> All right, let's keep reading. Matthew 5.33, it says, But the woman, fearing and trembling, she didn't know what to expect at this point, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Point number five, our faith is what brings us through. Her faith is what got her healed. That's what Jesus said. Daughter, your faith has made you whole or well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Your faith. It's amazing how many times Jesus says that. Your faith has made you whole. Now, Pastor Couples did make a good point also with Armor God Cons. Can you tell I watched that a little bit this week again? It's not always your faith. Sometimes it's the environment you put yourself in. Because you even remember Jesus? Even Jesus had to clear the room before he did some miracles. Can't have doubt. And you know what the Bible says? In his hometown, he did less miracles than anywhere else because there was so little faith because they knew who he was. They grew up with him. This is Jesus. This is the carpenter's kid. What's he out here talking all this and like he's God or something, right? Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that, what does it say? He is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How do I know God exists? I've seen him move. See, some of you here didn't. You didn't see, Christians, a lot of them don't realize you're living on faith. How many of y'all have ever seen Jesus physically in person walk up to you and say hi? We haven't. Most people. Now, there's some people that say they have. But I'm not discrediting any of that. But what I need you to know is majority haven't. But they believe. They know there's a Savior. Why? It's just like, I like how Billy Graham put it years ago. You've never seen the wind, but you've seen the effects of the wind. You've never seen the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. You see it happening. It's the same with God. Maybe we've never seen him, but we've seen the effects. I've been in rooms where people have been healed instantly on the spot of cancer, Crohn's disease, limbs growing out. These are things only God does. There's no man that can do that. When the doctors are scratching their heads, God's saying, I'm just getting started. Let me pop. How do you, how do you pop those fingers? You pull your fingers out. Let me get warmed up here. Watch this. Let me show you how much you don't know that you think you know. Because I'm God. Right? Sometimes I wonder if he don't say that about many of these guys out here. 
Corinthians talking about wisdom. I'm not going to go there tonight. About the wisdom of man, so much less than God. But some of them would like to think they're above God. Last verse I want to close with tonight, and then I want to give a little bit of a testimony before we get wrapped up here. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. This is Psalm 145, 18 and 19. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, and to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. That's a reverence. That's not trembling. That's reverence of God. May be some trembling involved. But you respect God. He also will hear their cry and save them. Everybody has that opportunity to be healed spiritually. It's a matter of if you take that opportunity. I wanted to share a little bit of a little piece of the testimony here kind of as a closure because I wanted you to understand something. Because I know there's going to be people out there, maybe there's some of you here, that, oh, I've been waiting on this healing forever and it just didn't come. Or I had a family member, so-and-so, that didn't get healed they died they were healed weren't they if they knew jesus that's why i say the healing doesn't always take place the way we want it god's ways are not our ways but it does take place miss carol wanted to walk can you see her dancing now miss ruth oh she's dancing it's her birthday today happy birthday carol i know you might be listening if you're not busy dancing right so sometimes I, when I'm talking to my mom, I'm like, you know, Mom, hey, if you're not too busy up there, I know you got a lot going on up there, right? Let me just talk to you a little bit about my mom real quick. 2002, Wild Week. It was actually a church camp. There was a guy, uh, I talked about him a few weeks ago. His name was Ken Freeman. He was an evangelist. He was a preacher. And uh, he would host, at least back in 2002, I don't know if he still does it, a youth camp called Wild Week. And he would do them around the country. And we would always go to the one, I'm not really sure what part of Illinois it was, it was somewhere north, close to Springfield over there. And we would always go, and in 2002, we went to a youth camp. I wasn't in the youth anymore, Brett wasn't in the youth anymore, but he was there. Uh, we were helping kind of be chaperones, you know, because we weren't youth, but we still had like to have fun with the youth. And, you know, it seemed like old people didn't know how to have fun, right? So you, you try to run around with the young ones that know what fun's about. See, you don't realize till you get out of that traditional stuff that you're wrong. There's a lot of adults having fun. I'm one of them. Amen? Some of y'all got quiet. It's all right. Time to have some fun if you haven't yet. You got Jesus. You got a lot to be excited about. Went to Wild Week Camp, and I was helping. And she would let me. She knew I'd been called to preach. She would help me, let me teach the youth Sunday school sometimes, Bible studies. And see, she gave me the opportunities I needed to exercise my gifts in church and i kind of give you i think it was last week i talked about the pastor came in and pulled me from class one time when that was going on but i don't want to go there tonight what i want to do, do go is she was the youth minister at the church i grew up in and i won't say the name online but she was the youth minister woman of god and i would always i, I remember even after i surrendered to ministry i still didn't read my bible all the time i'm 18 19 you know, I'm still running around, and then I would try, you know, to read it a little bit more and more. And I remember, though, there was something I remember about my mama. Anytime I'd come in from wherever I was at, it usually was at night, maybe sometimes, I would look over on the corner couch, corner of the couch, the very end, and she'd be sitting there right next to the arm of the couch. We had one of those lamps with an arm on it, and she had it above her, and she'd be reading her Bible. Every night before she went to bed, she didn't miss a night. 
She'd have her glasses on, and she'd be reading her Bible, and she'd just sit there. She wouldn't bug us. She wouldn't do anything. She'd just read her Bible. What she may or may not know is, even though I wasn't doing that as much yet, I noticed. Because if Mama's reading her Bible, we all noticed. Mama got saved not too long before that, too many years before that. That's why she was so excited, and she kept it. She kept reading, and she would study. She would read her word, and... You know, she'd chastise whatever the word me when I get out of line. You know, she. What do you think of that preacher boy? Oh, I hated that. <laughs> Mama knew how to push the buttons. All right, because you know I was probably acting out whatever it was, and she's like, "What do you think of that preacher boy?" Right? She wouldn't do that. My mom wasn't critical like that all the time, but she had. She knew when I was out of line, and she would remind me, "Hey, you're supposed to be a preacher." You need to be living like it, right? But I remember seeing her read her Bible. So this is the type of woman you think, man, God's going to bless her. She's going to have a lot going on. And she was. She was the youth minister. And this, at this particular wild week, I remember I was across the camp on the other side, and she was over with probably my sister and some of the other girls in the camp because she would run around a little bit with them. And uh, I remember someone running up to me, and they said, Trenton. Come quick, it's your mom. And I, so I'm like, what's going on? So I'm, I ran over there. I was probably at the gym myself because I would shoot baskets. I would like to go to the gym and shoot hoops. And I remember running over there, and she's laying on the ground. And they say, told me what would, had happened. She was just walking, and then all of a sudden she dropped and had what appeared to be a seizure right there on the grounds. Now, in my young mind, I'm thinking, oh, great. We're going to have to take her to the hospital. And, you know, I'm worried about her, but at the same time, I'm having fun, right? And then we're not going to get back to the camp, right? Not realizing how serious the situation was at that point. And so I, I was getting ready to walk away, and I remember her yelling, she said, Trenton, where are you going? Because by this time, she had come around. And I'm like, Mom, I'm going to get my stuff. We're going to be taking you to the hospital to see what's going on. And um, so... We took her to the local hospital there, and they really didn't have any answers for us, so they didn't come up with anything on their little exams and x-rays, whatever it is that they do, MRIs, whatever it was they did. And so they just chalked it up to a mini-stroke. Oh, what? So they sent us to Springfield, Illinois, to a specialist at the hospital, and they chalked it up to the same thing, right? Well, as time went on, she would have these incidents while she'd be driving down the road. Now, there came a point, because she would panic at first, because I remember one time, even in the house, she was in her bedroom, and I'm walking down the house, and I remember her screaming from the other end of the house, screaming. And it was, I heard it, and I'd run to check on her. By that time, it was over. She would have these little moments. What was really happening to her was she would lose her speech, and she would panic because she was afraid because she couldn't talk. And so, after some time, they finally took her to a specialist here in Cape. I don't even remember his name. He's a brain doctor, southeast. And uh, they looked at those same MRIs again. They took some more, and they found what was a brain tumor on my mom's brain. And he thought at that point, he's like, you know, um, I think I can get this, most of it out. Uh, there'll be a little piece left because I can't go too deep because you get too deep in the brain stem, you just, you're just a vegetable. So they would cut down as close as they could, and 
They pulled it out, and she had that first surgery, and she seemed to be fine after that. I remember that whole summer, though, she'd be driving down the road, and she would feel it coming on, so she would pull off to the side of the road, wait till it was over, and then continue driving. Well, then she had the surgery. We met this doctor, and all that happened, and she was fine. February of 2003, I went to see an evangelist friend of mine. His name is Brady Weldon, one of my favorite evangelists. Um, and I went to see him preach. He was preaching in Jonesboro, Illinois. And I remember sitting at the altar call. And he's given the invitation for people that see need saved. And I remember as clear as I was when I was called, God spoke to me in that altar call. And he says, you're going to lose your mom in a year. Are you ready? This is my reaction. I'm just like, so I started crying. Now my wife now, she was girlfriend then, Ashley, I went out after the, I think I even left early. And people probably thought I needed saved or something, but I was crying, right? Walked out and I told her what had happened and how God had spoke to me. And time went on, because at that point, mom was fine. She seemed like she was okay. She was healing. She was recovering from it. And, you know, there was no signs whatsoever that it was giving her any trouble. That summer, it started happening again. And they went and checked, and it was back. And they had, she had nine surgeries between that first one and until she died. Mom had nine surgeries. Every time, I remember mom would go in with believing God was going to take care of her. I know she was scared. Dad told me some stories about how she was scared and didn't understand things, but that him and mom had in their personal moments. And, but... What I'm saying is God spoke to me. That was February of 2003. He said, you're going to lose your mom in a year. Are you ready? Didn't know what to say. And it turned out there was about January 2004. My wife and I went to see her after one of her surgeries. She was in ICU at Southeast. And we walked in. And here's mom smiling and pointing at the foot of her bed. Now, she can't talk, but my mom loved angels. At this point, she couldn't talk again yet. She loved angels. And I remember the look on her face. I said, Mom, is there someone at the foot of your bed? And I knew. She never was able to tell me. It was either an angel or Jesus himself was standing at the foot of her bed. Because when I asked her, is there an angel at the foot of your bed, Mom? She just... she couldn't talk yet and I knew it was getting close and I remembered what God spoke to me well February 20 I think it was 7th she did pass on she had her last surgery she never came out of it um, she was a vegetable for about a week in the hospital and she passed on I said all that to say this at that point I didn't start believing God wasn't a healer I still believed he was a healer because too many people, they'll go through things like this in their life and they'll just turn from God. Forget it. Because they didn't get their way. Mom was ready. I, don't, I know where she's at. Cruising in her Jesus mobile. Somewhere up there. Probably a convertible. Chilling in heaven, right? Having a good time. Better off than we are down here. But I remember it was February, a year, exactly a year later, mom passed away. And 
that's why I brought all that up. So I want you to understand that didn't remove any faith from me. I knew who God was. Mom knew who God was. She knew even if he doesn't heal me now in the physical, I'm going to be with him. And I really believe God sent a comforter to the foot of her bed that day to let her know, I'm coming soon. I'm coming to get you. So I hope that encourages you because, yes, God is still a healer. I've seen him. I've told you the stuff I've seen healed. I've not so much as seen the limbs as much as cancer, things like that, things that should be terminal that God healed. I've seen blinded eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen these things happen. So I know God's a healer, but I can't explain to you why it doesn't happen that way for everybody. What I do believe is no matter what, you have to hold to your faith. And know God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, your healer. I hope that encouraged some of you out there this evening. I know I need to go ahead and dismiss you guys. Thank you so much for joining with us online this evening. We're going to get ready to have some prayer time here. But if you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it's as simple as asking. You say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. You prayed that prayer from the bottom of your heart, you meant it. Welcome to God's family. Your next step is to find you a good church home that is discipling, making disciples, and get baptized. That's what Jesus did. That's what you need to do. And you need to get discipled. You need to get some training. So get in a church that's doing that because they're going to help you grow. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.